Cutoffs and Coffee, episode 17. Here we are, Gems and CT, back here with our cutoffs, back with our coffee. Got an electric interview for you today. We actually had to split this one up into two parts. This conversation with Brian Peters, former NFL linebacker, um, a guy who came out of college, and he'll tell you the whole story here in part one, came out of college as one of the top-rated safeties, one of the top-rated defensive backs in the Big Ten, actually didn't get drafted, didn't, didn't get picked up in free agency, and in part one here, he explains to you his journey, his long journey, all the ups and downs, all the good and the bad. He gives us a ton of detail. We finish the end of part one with him answering a question that I'm sure a lot of the listeners will be asking themselves at the end of his story. So here the, here the end of that, here the end of part one, and then next week, we will give you an awesome part two. James? All right, and as always, our sponsor today, Underdog Fitness, the only foam roller you need to take with you on the go. It has everything you need in it. It has a band. It has a peanut lacrosse ball. Hip circle gets you warmed up. Foam roller to get you cooled down. All right, I roll on this thing all the time, and it makes a huge difference in my mobility. I just feel better. It's a nice little nightly routine that I have. Also, Underdog Tank Tops, the only tank you need to lunge in, and it couldn't be a better episode to be sponsored then this, this is a true underdog story. I can't wait to share this episode with everybody. So here we go. Enjoy part one with Brian Peters. Here we go. Cut off some coffee. Brian Peters, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming. Easy. Appreciate you boys having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. So let's just start here. Um, you know, you Google Brian Peters, a lot of dope pictures come up. Uh, you know, you freezing in, in ice buckets and you playing professional football. Um, what's one thing you want the listeners to know? that we can't find from just a simple Google search of you? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I like that a lot. Um, what people don't know about me. Um, I, I just say, like, you, you see some of the structure, but I guess you don't see some of the, I guess the anti-structure. Like I try and like the new, like new concepts I've created for myself that have given me a bunch of freedom are basically making room for life and that goes with making space to have plenty of nights of sleep and some nights of limited sleep. Um, it goes with like the kind of the concept, like, do you own the routine? Is the routine own you? And for a lot of my life, especially football, the routine owned me, caused me stress. I didn't balance out the, like the go, go, go of football and grinding and my identity of being a hard worker and these things. So now like the thing people don't see is like, you may see, football or like lifting or structure or diet or breathing and all these things that are like human performance, human performance. But I, there's a bunch of life in there too. There's um, time with friends, family, there's craziness. Like it's, it's like, again, there's anti-structure where there's like, like today, like these next three hours, like I don't have any limits on myself. There's, there's just like, um, dude, there's Netflix binges. There's all that shit where like, uh, like, like the Instagrams and those kind of things don't show like the shit days. And for, and for me, um, that's probably the biggest thing people don't see is like the anti-productivity or the, the negative sides of human performance. My, my vice. Yeah, the is guy, it, yeah. Yeah. The guy is human. Uh, let's take that into your story, man. You got, you got a story that I think everybody needs to hear. Uh, we crossed paths that at one point um, and you were one of those guys that I saw jumping in the arena football league. And I was just telling James before he got on, I knew you had, you had no business being there. We've had a lot of elite athletes at that level, but you were just one of those guys who needed to have just a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, which you, uh, a cup of tea, which you ended up doing. So tell us, man, tell us, tell us about your story. How'd you get to the point that you're at now? Um, I mean, do you guys want the long version or the, the spark notes? Cause it's a saga. Brother. There's a lot. There's a lot of really good detail in there um, that I think you know our our kids who are in high school and who think they're working hard and think they're doing everything they need to do right now. I think they need to hear. So, give us uh, give us the good version, man, and then we'll try. You know, we'll try to not interrupt you much. No, cool, easy. Um, probably the cleanest view if we're gonna start in high school. Um, it was pretty organic. I didn't start playing football till seventh grade. Um, like was third string receiver safety in seventh grade, backup quarterback. For fourth receiver kind of safety in eighth grade then I became a quarterback did that whole song and dance so I didn't even find defense like as my passion until sophomore year when I started at corner 
And so anyways, like that rolled into a, a great culture in high school. I was blessed with a, a coaching staff that's still there to this day. They coach the right way. They emphasize um, like the, the tribe for the seniors. So they have a lot of emphasis on responsibility for that. But they, they really taught, like they taught the game X's and O's. Like we're, we're in there watching film with my coach before and after school. Um, the physicality of the game was a non-negotiable for my defensive coordinator. He, he molded me as a football player for sure, because like, I, like the only thing I knew in the culture was to hit and like that eventually, um, like took me places and I regressed from it and saw my play regress. And then it showed up again, once I got an opportunity in the NFL and all these kind of things. So like, that was a massive lesson for me was the, like the imposing your will, and being a physical player. So anyways, rolled into some, uh, some offers going through high school. I uh, started with like some Mac offers, some like Air Force and Navies, and then got into um, uh, a couple Big Ten schools. It was Northwestern primarily, and then uh, Michigan State came in really late after I'd already committed, that kind of thing. But anyways, so had this great foundation for football. Um, again, just a, an incredible coaching staff that like I can speak on their leadership and their mentorship um, in other areas of life, not just on the football field. So anyways, uh, I get a scholarship to Northwestern. Um, and this is kind of where like I started learning about supplements and edges and that kind of thing where um, I for I, like I was uh, I was a really good pitcher in high school as well, but I forego like playing baseball to run track and train. And I have this really cool doctor in Pickerington who I didn't understand his influence, his genius, all this stuff at the time. Like at the time he was working with like the Mariners, Derek Jeter crazies, and he's hiding in Pickerington, Ohio. So, but like, all I knew is that like, if you get hurt in Pickerington, you go see this guy, like I sprained an ankle and like in the playoffs, couldn't walk, played the next game, did the same thing with a torn groin the following year in the playoffs. And, but, and so, and me and him were cool. So like he, like, so he's the only person I knew in the industry really, besides like the guys at world's gym. So he said, Hey, go train with this guy 40 minutes away. So I started going with him and he just, it was just me and him one-on-one -on -one in the basement, destroying me. Like, and I had like, I'm the kid, like obviously in high school, they don't teach a lot of not only just technique, but training methodology, like time under tension, hypertrophy. And this is where I learned this and saw the benefits very fast the first time and also learned how to work hard and fail. And so in his little bit like studio basement, like one rack, one set of adjustable dumbbells were still some of the hardest workouts to this day where I'd leave there. And like, I'm trying to drive home and my forearms are shaking. Like I have to like drive with like my knee pinned. Like it was crazy, my legs shaking stuff that I, my nervous system hadn't been exposed to. And, but I went from this like 185. So I gained 20 pounds in six months before I went to college and I get to college and we're again, so we're playing seven on seven in the, uh, in the summertime and like how we played seven on seven in Pickerington, we, we banged like we were head button, like, like, so like day one, I lay this, uh, like the number two receiver out over the middle fight ensues I do the same thing again and like people are like everybody's just like who's this tough Tommy tough guy that kind of thing but like and then I was also like I was like I was pretty yoked at the time while going into college too because that kind of bled up into like the 210 213 by the end of the summer and all these safeties who like obviously I was physical and I, I had a good summer they're like oh he's gonna be a linebacker he's gonna be a linebacker that kind of thing and just kind of like knocking me and then I get there and I get into their strength program and it's pretty vanilla and I lose what I had. And then um, I was like right on the borderline of being redshirted, um, got redshirted and kind of lost my drive because I'm not playing like that kind of thing. I'm, I miss home. I'm doing the whole freshman thing, boozing, like that, all that kind of stuff, stuff that's not serving my goal. And I'm spending time in places that like aren't loving me back. Like it's I'm going down the wrong way and I'm getting weaker in, uh, in the same essence. So that went on for like another year. I still could play ball. I ended up uh, starting a few games my redshirt freshman year, but that um, that eventually built. And uh, my head coach Pat Fitzgerald, who's an absolute savage stud and incredible human, um, kind of tutored me away and mentored me away from the the adolescence and helped me grow up pretty fast. Once I started to get on the field, took a really cool interest in me. 
um, I was able to shed some of the habits, um, the bad habits. And then after another year or two, um, I started to get my, I added my strength stuff on top, my doctor strength stuff on top of that um, and build into a captain. And um, my senior year, I like, uh, like, again, all this was pretty organic. I was, I, I really wasn't a kid that grew up, like I want to go to the NFL or anything like that. Like I just, I kept kind of my head down and kept momentum. And it was just like little demon in front of me, like slay that beast, get to the next one, slay that beast. And it grew into this, um, opportunity by my senior year, like agents are asking me if I have an agent and like, whatever, I'm going through that whole process. Um, so I thought I had a chance and that's all I was asking for at that time. But like by my senior year, I was like, okay, maybe I can. And then I have a decent senior season. I was a captain, led the big 10 in interceptions, hundred tackles, like had a good season. Um, it's so super decent. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate the modesty there. No, but, but, but so like, yeah, in my essence, like, uh, never mind. But anyways, um, thought <laughs> I had a chance. Like guys were saying late rounds, definitely free agent draft, like uh, free agent, undrafted free agent signing, that kind of thing. Didn't get a fucking call on draft day. The only person that called me on draft day was my mom and Pat Fitzgerald to call me and ask me what's going on. And then my, my trash agent at the time. And so anyways, so like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know, coach. I don't know what's going on. I was supposed to get calls, didn't get any calls. Um, even as the draft ended, no calls. And so he made calls. My agent was trying to get me in places, whatever. So uh, we had a guy from Northwestern down in the front office for the, the Buccaneers. And then the Bears were local. So I got into their like rookie mini camps on a workout basis to work out against the guys that all just signed contracts, draft picks and undrafted free agents. Um, and so this is where like kind of that lesson from my high school coach shows up. So I get down to Tampa Bay and it's Shiano's first year down there with the Bucks and we're running. So it's three days, three day mini camp. We're running two days with strength and conditioning in between. So uh, heavy practice, lift weights, run 10 hundreds and then go practice again. <laughs> Second practice, three of our Sam linebackers pop hamstrings and I'm the biggest safety. So they put me down at Sam linebacker. And like, I adjust and like some people had said, oh, he, he needs to be a linebacker anyways. He's too slow. He's too white, whatever. Um, so anyways, that progresses. And like, I end up having a decent camp. Um, but there's this opportunity at one point where I met this running back in the hole. Like, like I, like I kind of like slipped into like the B gap and fit this running back up, but I just like tagged off. We're only in helmets, we don't have shoulder pads on, whatever. And I have this savage position coach there for the weekend and Brian Cox, who played for a decade plus, just absolute savage. And he's like, hey, Peter, would you have hit this guy here? He goes, yeah, coach, I would have killed him. He goes, well, we'll never know. He goes, he goes I don't know if you're physical, like, I, like you're a safety, like I haven't seen you be physical. Like, how am I supposed to know that you would have hit him there? He goes, you fucking hit him. And he goes, you never pass up an opportunity to be physical in the NFL because somebody will take your soul if you if you pass on an opportunity. I go, noted. So at that point, I had a good camp. And then, like, I'm sitting down with Brian Cox on my way out the door. He goes, hey, um, looks like we're going to bring you back. Like, I, you need to gain 20 pounds, like that kind of thing. So I'm getting all hyped up. Don't get a call. Um, go to the Bears camp the next week. Um, play really well. They had a third-round draft pick. He ended up, like, cracking his neck at some point. So I played longer than him. Um, I get hyped off that. Those are my own little mm -hmm. motivational things. But but I yeah. had a good camp and like got good reviews, but didn't get an opportunity. But the thing that those two mini camps show me is that I knew I can play. Like and and that's what kept me going like through all the other steps and all the other bullshit. Because a lot of bullshit happened af after that. Where um shit, this is about time we start meeting. But anyway, so I don't like. Like, so like nothing's on the table with football. My agent doesn't want to send me to Canada because yeah, yeah, I signed a two-year deal and that means he doesn't get a cut of my money. So mm -hmm. anyway, so I'm like, like, what do I do? Do I stay in Chicago? Do I go home? Do I do all this stuff? And then like, but I need money. I don't have any freaking money. So anyways, uh, I'm looking for work. And then my agent's like, hey, go out um, to the Arena Football League, the Iowa Barnstormers where, where me and CT met. And but he sells it to me like I'm already on the team when I get out there and I show up and it's like a 13 man tryout for two spots for like the last four weeks of the, the deal. And I'm like, well, fuck, let's go. 
but I'm pissed because like I'm already mad at my agent at this point anyways, because nothing happened how he said it would. And I'm sure it's his fault, not mine, but I'm sure. But anyways, but so get out there, end up making the team, me and uh, the cat from Iowa state um, starts with a B something like that. I can't remember his name now. Damn. Uh, damn. Uh, anyways. Um, yeah, uh, Darius. Yeah. yeah. So Darius like, Reynolds. Yeah. So had a black, had a blast yeah, out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but probably some of the most fun football I played in my entire life, like smashing dudes in the walls. Um, like I was playing that Jack linebacker spot. Like my job was like clear run and then hit everything that moved moving laterally is freaking <laughs> phenomenal. And then like special teams was a, was just a massacre. It was like Braveheart people run into each other. So much fun. Like, like fans spilling beer, talking shit, so much fun. Um, but so yeah so Matt CT there me me and him were pumping it up at the gym and our cutoffs back then nothing nothing's changed after shit you know what years, years yeah ago. yeah yeah 2000 2012 yeah 12 yeah so going on going Man. on a decade of cutoffs and heavy pumps and workouts so but anyways <laughs> and, um, and, and stimulants yeah and stimulants high doses of stimulants um but anyway so <laughs> So season ended there. I, like, I don't think the boys were going to the playoffs or anything anyways, but um, got out of there. And now I'm like starting to work. Like, again, like I still have nothing lined up after this. So like, and like, this is kind of like, I, I can't, if the season ended in like May or something, I can't remember when it was, but so anyways, like I'm looking for work. Uh, I know this hockey guy. Um, I end up training his kid, training his kid, grows into like taking care of like some of their kids I was like mannying for a hot second and then they had a demolition company so I was just like basically like their family's go-to guy for like picking kids up from school getting the kids yoked and like handling their business and it was just this kind of any like it was kind of like honestly it was kind of embarrassing for me because it was really far away from where I wanted to be and like but like but so I was doing that and then I, I like I like I'd, I'd head home at like seven um eat dinner pre take i was taking pre at like 9 15 like head into this this boxing gym and like the uh basement of a, a gym in chicago i was living on a mattress behind my two buddies couch to my team ex-teammates from college couch just like trying to get to see a football happen so so anyways um and there's plenty of stories and living behind the couch but uh but so Eventually, um, I like the UFL becomes a thing, like an option for a tryout. I drive whatever nine hours out to Omaha, the Omaha Nighthawks, um, tryout, uh, get an opportunity to come into camp. So that's a week later. So I gotta drive all the way back. Again, don't have a lot of money. Then a week later, I take off, go to camp, have a decent camp. And then the NFL has all their cuts. And so I get cut. So I think football's over. Like I'm like I'm sobbing in the car after I get cut. Like I had no idea. Like I figured everything was done. Like, but I knew I could play because I played again. I played against all these guys and like AFL. Like I, I was able to compete right away. UFL I was and NFL for freaking sure. And so I was just like more still some fuel in the fire. And then so finally, like my like last ditch effort was I was like because my agent said nobody in the CFL responded. So I was like, dude, give me everybody's emails. NFL, CFL. Like, just let me pump something out. So I pumped out, like, my hi college highlight video, my times, and, like, this, like, two-paragraph deal. Like, like listen, like, I've gotten positive reviews everywhere I go. Like, I'll show up. I'll be a dog for you. I can do, like, X, Y, and Z. Like, I'm a leader. I'm a worker. Like, it, it just is what it is. But, like, just looking for an opportunity. And I sent these out myself. And so the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are the only team that reached back out of all, out of all 32 NFL teams um and nine cfl teams eight cfl teams at the time so anyways they bring me up for practice squad for two weeks before their season ends and i sign a two-year deal after that and that's the kind of the start of another saga where i so i do those two weeks they give me like three grand for those two weeks i feel rich and um kind of the last thing is and i get and the last day of the season up there was my birthday uh it was uh, halloween so I'm um, like, this is just to pre like preset the story. Um, like as I'm like leaving my hotel room, ready to head back to the United States, I'm like, like catching myself in the mirror. I'm like, 
I was like, you can go train now. Like, like you got a shot, like you got a shot again. You got a two-year deal making 50 grand and potentially 75 grand for two years. Like you can train, get an opportunity. Like I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Anyways, get home that night. One of my buddies had gotten cut from the Patriots. We go out drinking by ourselves because um, my buddies all had real work and then nobody wanted to go out for my, for my birthday because it was a Thursday. Anyways, one thing leads to another. I get jumped by three bouncers that night. Not, not, not uninstigated, but I definitely didn't deserve what happened. Um, so, but anyway, so next, next morning I'm wired shut for the start of seven weeks. Um, jaw broken, plate seven screws in the jaw, bunch of teeth uprooted, end up spending like 36 hours in the dentist chair, implants, mess. So, but I wake up uh, the next morning in the hospital, not like saying like, fuck, or like, where am I? It was literally like, I'm not in charge. So I went down like a whole spiritual rabbit hole in that same essence, but like spent a week on the couch, like sipping Percocet out of a straw, um, dropped 20 pounds. And my doctor comes over. This is where me and my doctor get really seared together. Again, he's a, he's a incredible human, very, very smart, intelligent with a body diet, uh, has engineered supplements for Beverly Muscle Farm, all these companies, incredible mind. And he just became my mentor in this world. So he goes, like, he's Puerto Rican. He's like, get your ass off the couch, you pussy. And, and so we go, start, I start training at his house every day. And, and your mouth is, uh, you're still wired shut at this point? What? Yeah, wired shut. And I'm like, I like, I'm a shit talker too. And like, so his whole family's Puerto Ricans. And then like a lot of the people there are competitive. Um, cause he, he's got anywhere from like bodybuilders, pro athletes, like training with Beanie Wells in the basement, a bunch of savages. And then he's got a lot of people from the powerlifting world in and out. So like, it's like, it's a competitive deal. And he, we're just, we're just super competitive anyways. And even though he's, he's probably 45 at the time, but anyways, um, so, and my diet at this point is like three massive liter cups of blended up, whatever I can get. I'm blending up steak. I'm blending up cookies. I'm blending up Chipotle. And so I'm drinking Chipotle through a straw, steak through a straw, cookies through a straw. And, but like, I'm training right now. I'm training like for size and I'm training for strength. I'm training time under tension. I'm training connective tissue. I'm training like isometrically where everything's uh, firing together um, smaller muscles, glute activation, all these things that I've never done in sequence or with incredible amounts of structure that aren't confined to an hour in the weight room with a college team or a pro team and that kind of stuff. So like, and I'm just learning, like I'm just doing stuff and I'm competing and I'm going hard and that's all I got, but I'm learning. So by the time I get my, um, my wires off seven weeks later, I get all my weight back plus like three, four pounds stronger than I ever been. And then the cool thing to see all this pay off is like, it, it was probably, it was really like three months after this. I always get the timeline mixed up, but I went back and did Northwestern's pro day again as a linebacker um, because that's what the CFL wanted me to be. And the previous year I was 215 um, at the pro day, ran like a high four, six, nothing impressive jumping, but I three cone like a savage. And then the, like this next time I, I come back, I'm like, 232 I can't remember if I, I was 232 but I can't remember if I got hit, like drank water to get 235 but whatever so I get there and I run faster jump higher agility's still there um, move well I'd been working with my high school coach on long snapping just anything and everything to try and get an opportunity but I was confined to the CFL but it was just to like stay relevant so anybody like, it just pro proved to me that like even though I'm heavier my strength trumps all this like like my firing um, code trumps this stuff like training smarter and training harder in the right ways paid off for me so I kept all these things I'm a pro football player now so like I'm like now I can be a pro in the weight room with my diet and the same time I'm learning about proper supplementation through the doc um, I got my first taste of blood work blood work the next year um, which was 20 no because it was after my first season so like 20 end of 2013 beginning of 2014 and that just gets the wheels turning, food allergy testings, training at his house a couple of days a week. One of my best friends, Zach Bourne, he's a captain of Ohio State coming out into the NFL at the same time, got me in to train with their NFL group at Ohio State for free, which again was massive for someone that's like funks balling on a budget and getting yoked on a budget. And uh, so that kind of accelerates with that group and training with my doctor, high levels of competition and just end up having another good season in Canada, um, 
I guess, but my first full year in Canada, anyways, I got cut and put on the practice squad for a few weeks. The only reason I got activated is because some dude, like one of our linebackers was tracking a post route and ran into the field goal that's on the goal line, um, cracked his collarbone, got my opportunity, was ball, like special teams was my thing up there that got me on the team. Um, and that kind of became my identity for the rest of my football career, where even the next year when I was starting on defense, I was still was like the tried to be a dog and a leader on special teams as far as like effort and production. Um, eventually got opportunity. So after my second season up in Canada, again, I, I kind of negotiated my own contract. I can I communicated with them. So I had a couple teams call my Canadian team asking who my agent was and they didn't know. So they called me. Um, eventually got him in touch with my agent, got workouts for the Vikings or sorry, sorry, that was before. And I got workouts with the, the Eagles and the saints and, uh, the Eagles like went pretty well, like kind of hinted I was going to be signed. But, um, when I get back, they say, Hey, there's, uh, probably a lab error with your blood work. Um, but can you get another blood test on another CBC? I was like, okay, cool end up end up finding out that I, I have like a rare blood condition that I never knew about that like even the surgery with my jaw and some other shit never found but I have this blood condition called idiothrombocytopenia it's called ITP unexplained low blood platelets and so people are like how can like can you play like um I'm learning about like the the initial scare of it was crazy for my mom and like my and my family because my mom had lost her sister to cancer young and like low blood plates is usually a warning sign of a variant of cancer. So especially how low mine were. So anyway, so go get tested, get like spleen scans, everything done. I'm like trying to like combat this. And my doctors put me on pregnizone to try and get a spike, all this stuff. But I'm all just trying to get a blood work test passed for the Eagles. And doesn't, it doesn't end up happening. Like I get up to like 100 platelets, um, 100 platelet count, which is still like 50 low. But um, so anyways, like I'm trying to get the right medicine, but like the medicine that they're trying to put me on, and I'm on Canadian health insurance, which is strange, but mm -hmm. um, in America is not very potent, but uh, <laughs> the, the medication they were trying to put me on was like five racks a month. And, uh, and anyways, this incredible person gave me a month free and found out this works for me, but eventually got to work out with the saints while this was whole mess was going on, go down and murder a workout with the Saints, like run a high four five. I'm 235 and solid now. Um, and I, I kind of had to do the same thing after the, the CFL season is gain weight again, do it the right way. Um, killed the workout, long snapped again, two on top of playing linebacker. And like the pro personnel guy goes, hey, we're going to sign you. Done deal. But uh, you told the doctor that you have a blood condition. Like we got to get that sorted out, but you'll be good. And so that accelerates into a whole nother issue where my agent miscommunicated, like he wasn't talking to a decision maker and the saints. So like I'm home for two weeks and nothing's happening with the saints. And he's like, Oh, my guy said he doesn't know. But like the, the, the way this pro personnel guy, his name's Terry Fondo. He's the GM of the, the Falcons now is incredible human. But I was like, I know this guy was like, he said he was going to sign me. He explained what was going to happen. All these things, like somebody get him on the phone that that agent couldn't get him on the phone ended up switching agents at this time because CFL free agency was opening and this other agent called me asking me what the CFL teams were offering me so he could combat it with his clients. And I told him, I told him my story and I was like, dude, if you want a shot, you got a shot and gave him 24 hours um, to get this dude on the phone. He got him on the phone another 24 hours. Um, I'm down in new Orleans getting tested with their blood, their hematologist. And he got me two more workouts uh, with the Vikings. And I think the chargers, um, so anyways, so I'm down in New Orleans again. He, the, the guys like, we're, we're going to sign you, but you have to sign an injury waiver because of your blood that any injury you have, if you don't heal on time, we can cut you without pay, which was trash. So yeah, no, thanks. Yeah, no, thanks. So I, then my, I, like, I, I basically hop a flight a few days later to Minnesota. Um, I actually do the workout super sick, um, but they still signed me. And I saw, like sign on that line. And uh, I had a great off season up there, incredible locker room, great coaches. I love their schemes, everything up there. They put me on practice. I had a couple of interceptions in the preseason, thought I had a chance, um, but they put me on practice squad. Um, and then week three or four, the Texans called. And so my agent's like, hey, go to the airport. 
And like, I went to like grab my supplements from the joint. Cause you know, you can't leave the subs behind. Um, from the no, joint. No so end up, yeah. So I end, up, I end up getting corralled by like my coach and the GM and like, they're trying to tell me to stay and why I should, because I have leverage there and they'll get me up as soon as they can. My agents like get the, get the hell out of there. Go, go to the airport. We'll figure it out. Let me talk to them. This isn't your job. I was like, all right, cool. So I go to the airport and I'm like, like I, I had to have a drink. I was stressing out. I was like, because the decision came down to um, when a team signs you off the practice squad, you get three, three games guaranteed on that team. And that's it. So like they can cut you after that and then whatever, but like, or I could stay on the Vikings practice squad who is now offering me full active salary to stay on the practice squad with a promise to get me up. And I had equity. I knew the scheme I produced for him, that kind of thing. So that, so it's basically, it was almost like 450 K guaranteed or, or I go take a three week gamble on myself. So I'm like going back and forth, talking to my parents, coaches, that kind of thing at the airport. And then finally, one of my, my, my buddies, um, Dan Purse, our quarterback at Northwestern, um, like our call was so damn quick. I've been talking with my brother for 20 minutes, my mom and dad for 30. And then he just goes, dude, what are you doing? He goes, you spent three years in three different leagues to play in the NFL, not practice in the NFL. I go, you know, you're, you're fucking right. Let's go. Um, <laughs> hopped on the plane. I, my parents called me on the plane. They're like, ah, we think you should stay. Um, I was like, mom, I'm on the plane. Let's ride. They, they came to the next game in Atlanta. And I had an incredibly productive season that year. I played 12, 12 games active. I led the NFL in special teams tackles in 12 games. Um, peaked, peaked early. Um, continued, but I continued to be a special teams guy down there. Played with some savages. Had some friends on the team before I got there. It was a really good situation. So I played there for four years. Uh, ended as a, the special teams captain. And then uh, my last year, I played hurt most of the year. Bad, uh, bad ankle injury that was misdiagnosed. I really should have gone on IR. And that was kind of my, and that's my story for washing out per se. But um, so that's the saga. If you guys want to dig into that anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, man. man uh, so, I... so you refer to uh, your doctor. Um, explain a little bit more, like what kind of doctor is he? Cause it seems like this dude can do everything. Yeah. So like, and then this is always super hard to explain. You just kind of <laughs> like, you don't know till you meet him. But so so I like I actually got a, a, a podcast coming out too, and I he's he'll probably be my first podcast, and we go through kind of his history, which is crazy. But so he came from Puerto Rico to play baseball at Kansas State. Um, ends up falling in love with medicine and powerlifting, drops out of baseball, goes to med school, maintains the powerlifting stuff throughout it. And so this is around the same time that like kind of supplements are starting to come to light. Um, but he's still doing like normal gen med stuff, like he's I'm going to mess up all these names. Obstetri obstetrician. Is that like he's delivering babies for a while? I don't know. I can't, I forget the word, but anyways. It sounds great uh, to me. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Show notes. Uh, but anyway, so he's doing all this other stuff. He's doing all this other stuff, but he, um, he kind of has this passion. Like, like he's, he's just like, he's like a person that's either reading a thousand page book on brain trauma or diet, or he's playing like Farmville on his phone. Like he's just this extreme human. Um, and to just kind of translate that to, cause that's a terrible part of the story to say that, but he, um, he ended up formulating uh, supplements on the side cause he got into powerlifting and these powerlifters are like, he's a doctor. So he's trying to figure out the best way to do diets for guys on, um, uh, PEDs and things along those lines. Um, he's around Louis Simmons as they're, they're getting West side barbell rolling. Um, he, so, but then he, so he starts formulating supplements for Beverly international, like the UMP that's still popular, um, a couple of their other products. And then he, then obviously, I don't know if you noticed, but muscle farm was originally, uh, founded out of Columbus, Ohio as yeah. well. He's one of their, uh, chief formulators for that, but like he is kind of stuff on the side, but like, his like from solving problems in powerlifting and then his baseball background, um, he kind of just kept learning how to manipulate. Cause it's like kind of before MAT, ART. Like, so he learned that stuff really early and just started compounding like strength and conditioning and, and like logical isometrics and just really cool biomechanical stuff just cause he's a curious human while he's still doing general medicine and eventually led to like his concepts led to him speaking at this, uh, uh, conference up in Canada where it's a, a bunch of strength coaches from around the country 
and uh, sorry, around the world. And like the networking at this young convention led to him getting in with like the Mariners and then the Columbus Clippers are a Yankees organization um, based out of Columbus, obviously. Um, so he started getting with them, their, like their PTs, uh, doctors, et cetera, and started working with their big dogs down the road. And all, all along the same time, he's producing some of the, like the best supplements that are out at the time. And it just kind of world went into it. Like people know him, his name's on the supplements and that kind of thing, but nobody knows what he does hands on like the problem solving he's doing in his basement with strength, strength conditioning with also like very, like very, like, again, this is like before P, uh, uh, RPR was around um, doing variants of that. And it's just like, it just grew into this incredible human that like found out how to create distraction um, and like my sprained ankle while strengthening the ligament. He just, he, he's just an incredible human, but uh, yeah, he, uh, he's kind of like consultant now, like he, still works with the Jacksonville Jaguars, him and their owner, Connor boys. He's, he, uh, he, you just never know who you're going to see at his house. Like, like, like the Beanie Wells, like all, like all the Ohio, I've seen a, a bunch of Ohio state guys there. Um, seen some studs from the MLB. He like, he talks to Mo Vaughn on the regular bestie. Like he, he just, he's just this most interesting man in the world kind of guy. But um, I, I, that's my best attempt at an explanation for his history and his, his madness. No, that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. And, and that's an incredible experience, you know, to be around somebody like that. And that kind of um, leads into, you know, the next question I have for you is, you know, during your, your, you know, career, whether it, you know, was um, playing football or whether it was spending, spending time in the gym, um, you know, did you have a moment that, that shifted your paradigm in terms of what you thought strength and conditioning and performance was and, and to what it is for you now um, that really kind of, impacted how you train now and you know how you recover now um yeah there's a couple forks in the road um probably the first one was my jaw like seeing what these workouts and this diet even though I'm wired shut could do kind of opened my eyes to the power of I guess the the training concept and the diet and everything as a whole like I knew it was good I mean you pre they preach it in college lifting heavy eating right that kind of thing but just to learn, start learning the muscles, um, learning how to train properly from like a sets and reps concept, um, how to incorporate the time and attention stuff. Like that was kind of like my first um, push into the world. And then that was like the simple supplements and the blood work uh, eventually grew into that where I started feeling my deficiencies, feeling better. And then um, I kind of found like, there's kind of, I guess, through like, like kind of after when I was cut from the UFL, that's where I got this verbiage in my head, like chasing edges. Every time I got cut, I found more things to work on and more people to learn from. So I had really cool mentors up in the CFL. Um, Ray Williams was a savage. He's a guy that played in the NFL for a little while, but he took me under his wing. Like we were doing his workout. He's the most yoke linebacker on the team. Um, doing his workouts, finding what worked for me, uh, took my own stuff, added to his and just became this like collaboration. And now I did that at every level. So like on top of having my doctor stuff, like now I'm, I had the, these savages in the CFL, like uh, just get around great people and just talk and work hard, like good things happen. So I did the same thing in Minnesota. Um, I'm watching the best. I'm watching like the Adrian Petersons. I'm learning from Chad Greenway. I'm watching Everson Griffin. And I'm just like, people kind of see me as like this muscle guy with, like some subs in his locker. So they're asking questions. Andrew Sandejo, incredibly intelligent player, still playing to sound with the Colts again. He's on year 11 or something crazy, but he like he, his knowledge is off the charts too. So I've just started to find these little pockets of people that were chasing edges in essence. And like some of them are pros and they have this discipline with their protocols. Other guys want the heavy weight, that kind of thing. I think I'm deviating from your question, but um I guess like the next thing, cause like I'm, I'm guessing you guys are trying to get to like my style now is I, I was really good at going hard. Like I, like I, I always wanted to train with the best. So I, I trained Adrian Peterson happened to own a gym in Houston. I was with the Texans. So I trained with him and his group of savages for two off seasons. And it was incredibly hard training, um, incredibly competitive, like, like hour and a half hard at the track in the summer in Houston 
back to like an hour and a half lift with conditioning and that, like all this stuff is just a grind, but like that, like Adrian Peterson is the definition of work capacity. Um, and you see where he gets it. So, and then you, then I start asking his trainer, what do you, what's your methodology? And I learned from him. And, but, uh, but eventually I found like the discipline I had and the, like the rigid nature of my, my routines and my training and like my identity as this blue collar, hard worker, sprint to every play hustle guy like that like that was going really hard in one direction and I always like kind of preach like oh train like a pro recover like a pro and like there's kind of this shift there where it's like okay like you're not getting back to where you were at one point my blood work was absolute trash like my test was like 211 DHEA was like an 80 year old woman like it was just trash and so I'm like all right you're going too hard you're doing too much so like I started reading books on sleep um, my, the, the, my trainer from high school, um, became a chiropractor while I was in college and he opened up his own practice in Arizona, John Toma. And he's an extremist that chases like all these ideas, introduced me to this lifestyle. Um, so he got me on red light, um, back in 20, uh, right after my first season, 2015. Uh, and so like, I'm doing red light, like my, like I've done my own experiments on my blood work now, like that keeps my test up like two to 250 points. Um, I like, I follow this, uh, like I read this book sleep by Nick Littlehale. So I followed his R90 program and I just start getting some momentum to like this ability to balance out the go, go, go with the chill. And I still hadn't insert the life yet. I still was pretty rigid with who I let into my circle and who I let distract me from this NFL, um, kind of eggshell or whatever shell I kept myself in. But anyways, I just, I got, I fell in love with it and eventually found the breath work. Um, I had the cold exposure in my back pocket because the same crazy, um, my doctor, um, so he's a chiropractor who was my trainer, got a lot of doctors in my corner, sorry. But he, uh, he and so that was 2013, he had me up in Canada going up to my neck in the cold tub for 20 minutes. And I thought he had a reason behind it. It came out like it came out like what was that 2018 when I called him. I'm like standing with like Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese, like saying, Hey, hey, remember that 20 minute protocol? Why'd you have me do that? He goes, oh, I saw Wim Hof and somebody do it. I figured you could do it. And I was like, I just want to make sure you could. I was like, Oh shit. So I look like an asshole. But um, yeah. so, anyways, uh, so I, I had the cold in my back pocket, I didn't have the sauna stuff yet. But in Houston, the team was paying for the sensory deprivation chamber, this forced meditation tank where it's, again, float tank, um, salt water, you float on top of water, no sound, um, no light. Um, but so in there, like I had trouble like meditating or shutting my mind off in these things. So I started holding my breath with no kind of insight into it. So it's like, and I had my watch on in there. I was like, how long can I hold my breath? Uh, a minute, whatever it is. And I get out of there and I Google, how do you hold your breath longer? And the only options on Google are free diving and Wim Hof. So I go down that rabbit hole and it kind of became this perfect storm when I was uh, with the Texans that same year, we had a new strength coach who came in and did like FMS scores and Nord board testing and all these things and determined our team is unfit to run. So we spent like the first three plus weeks of training camp doing glute activation, core development, pelvic floor, like mobility, all these things like, like training squats and all those kind of things. Right. Um, like all this stuff, but like, so during this time, like I, this is my deepest into breath work I've been because he gave the whole state of the union. Like, I don't care if you're JJ Watt, Deandre Hopkins. Like if I find out you're running outside of here, go in the GM's office and you're gone. And he's a scary human. Luke Richardson is a savage and runs the most strict, awesome, uh, NFL program I'd like been a part of like strength coach in general he, he has a really cool deal and um, anyway so nobody was really running but I was doing this breath work and these underwater pool swims and holds and stuff along the free diving protocols and with them by the time we get to where we're going to run right before we start practices for OTAs um, we have like a, a speed day and like everybody's kind of just low-key next day they try and bury us a little bit and dude, I'm out running everybody. I have this new awareness to my breath where I can hear people breathing and like, but my breath is super slow. So I'm just like, and then like, this just kind of led into like a rabbit hole of like the book, the oxygen advantage. Um, and at the same time, one of my buddies in Minnesota who me and him co-own this company called MindStrong, he kind of, he like, he 
like found it and blew it up while I was still playing. He's a stud and he's currently, we're currently got a contract with the San Francisco Giants, all this stuff is really good, but he was finding the same thing at the same time. And so we kind of just started bouncing ideas off each other and it added to the development of, of our company. But I, but like that day when like I'd been doing breathing and nobody else been doing anything normal, like I buried everybody. I was up running with like the DBs again and that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, there's something here. They're huffing and puffing. I'm standing chilling. I was like, okay, there's something here. So I we went down that rabbit hole and that's how found the breath. Like in the breath world, you have the Laird Hamilton's, the Brian McKenzie's, the Gabby Reese's that side of it, the Patrick McCown who wrote the book Oxygen Advantage. And then obviously now you have like the James Nestors and a lot of people in this breath world now, because people are finding out how powerful it is. And, it, and it's, 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 it's in ultra marathoning. Like it's in almost every sport now and a decent amount. Like, um, so anyways, like that's kind of like the world I live in now where like, I'm going to constantly learn. I'm going to get certifications. I'm going to keep pushing myself towards living like my best life with sports or without sports. I'll always be around sports. Just that I'm not playing on Sundays. I mean, I'm not an athlete. Like I found powerlifting. I dabble in jujitsu. I do a little bit of everything to like to keep my sanity because I know I need to compete. And that's what powerlifting suffices that kind of want and need for me too, because it's like a morning ritual of like, are you going to fail or not? Or not? Are you going to compete or not? And a lot of those like powerlifting weights are, and like, especially inside the, the conjugate method are like, this is 50, 50, if I get this or not. And it's just like, uh, let's, let's go. And like, you either start your day with a massive dub or like you, like you take an L and it motivates you even more. So it's like this cool little structure now outside of football that um, still feeds my beast. And I definitely want to get into the, the mind, mind strong project stuff because you, you uh, talked about that just a little bit, but for everybody, I imagine wondering the same thing that I'm wondering after we hear your story, you had so many opportunities to quit. Why didn't you? It, it's kind of that concept. Like after that first um, rookie mini camp and like they had like the Mark, Mark Barron was drafted in the first round that year. And then, there's this other kid, a really small world. This other kid I'm competing, I was competing with Sean Baker. I played in high school. He beat me out for that spot there. And then I actually, I worked out for the, the Texans uh, in June as a long snapper. And uh, he was the assistant special te teams coach down there. So the guy that beat me out, or he already had the, I think he already had the contract or whatever. But anyways, but I knew I could play because I saw him playing in the NFL while I was doing this journey. Um, and the same thing with these guys I played against in, um, Chicago, just for that weekend, I was like, I know I can play. And honestly, it was a fear of the real world too. Like I always knew in the back of my mind, I wanted to like have freedom. I wanted to travel. And I like, I like as organic as football was like, I, like, I love the sport and I love, like, I love everything about the sport. I love the six months of training that is a requirement like that. Yeah. Twist my arm. Like, and then obviously like in-season training, like, and then the resources that potentially come with it. Like, I, like, I kind of just wanted to taste it and I knew I could play. So I was like, you know what? Like, I'll keep banging on doors. Um, but do, I honestly, I did think it was over after the UFL being cut because nobody responded the first time from the CFL and just the right opportunities happened. Like, I did keep learning. Like, I did, like, keep learning, like, adding to my training. Like, I, I did the shit that, like, I, I was a fucking Manny. Like, I did a lot of shit I didn't want to do. I lived behind somebody's couch. I, like, I was training at 10 o'clock at night, going to sleep at 1 o'clock by the time I, like, I sometimes, like, sometimes I ran in the pitch dark on a soccer field. Like, like I, I, I dude, I ran, like, there's one time I was just like, I'm going to keep running. I was at Northwestern's practice field. I ran till I threw up, and, like, I, and I came, and I had to drive, like, 25 minutes back. Like, I just remember all these really kind of dark times where, like, like where I'm like, what, do you even want this? And then like uh, the, the, the 1500s became 2700s one night. And it just like, in my mind was like, yeah, you want this. And I kept having, to, I had kept having to prove it to myself because a lot of times I did want to quit, but it just like, it kind of was just like an in the moment conversation. And then like, I, like I'd already committed to like my guys I was living with. Like, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride till the wheels fall off. Like I'll make money and they're giving me shit for what I was doing. Um, like, and then not those friends, but other friends, like time to use that Northwestern degree, Brian, like that kind of shit, like, uh, Omaha, who, there's football in Omaha, like all that kind of crap. And like, I remember every single person 
Uh, like I had, I had a high school coach, not like one of the main ones, but like he, like he told me basically to hang it up. And I still like, like, I don't talk to him this day, like stuff like that. Just like, kind of just like, if you, if you're not about it, man, get out of my way. And like the learning and all that kind of stuff. Like I still, like, I was still having fun. Like I was still going out on the weekends and that kind of thing. But like when it came to like getting my workout and my run in was non-negotiable, like th those months. And then, then especially like, the, like the fear of getting foot like so like when I broke my jaw how my mandibles held like initially the doctor said I couldn't play football anyways and so I was like well I lost football because I'm a dumbass and then so now like I got to do everything I can to get it back and so that was just like another roll on the fire and then like once I got to work out for an NFL team I was like it just momentum and the focus got tighter and tighter and tighter but like um dude after a little bit of success up in Canada um on special teams and like I like I knew a couple guys on special teams in the NFL at the time and like like seeing like we're not that different like I can do this and seeing a guy go to the NFL one year is like five six guys get out of the CFL every year is like I'll be one of those guys and just I had again I had great people around me and I had great mentors in the CFL um Johnny Holland was my coach there for a couple years um or really like a year and a half and he's he's been with the Giants he's an incredible coach, an incredible human, huge impact on me. Um, taught me how to play the game right, how to be a good person while I do it. And then I had this linebacker teaching me how to be a savage in the weight room. Like I was around great people at the right times. Um, and, but like, what, like I, it just, it was, it was a bunch of forms of self-reassurance. It was a bunch of ups and downs, but like, I knew I could play and like, I wasn't going to be nice. Or like they legit told me I couldn't play anymore. Like, Honestly, like, like if CFL didn't work out, you might like we might have been playing again together the next year. You know, like I would have taken a run at it, just because like I knew, like especially after the UFL being cut, like like getting cut from a league you don't want to be in is just it's humbling, and mm -hmm. and I got to go back and drive and see my my buddies and like hop on the bed behind the couch again and be like, now nah, I'm still about it, and like let's go. And, and, they, and they were cool and they do and they they couldn't have been happy for me when the cfl deal came through they've been to nfl games with me like and like that kind of thing like those people stayed close to me everybody else like they were out so i know that was a long-winded response but like it's th there's no clean answer to it like i knew i could mm -hmm. play um i had plenty of doubts like i and i just i never stuck with the motion i was in like if i was down like i went and worked out like if i was like kind of needed self-reassurance I got around people that would reassure me because like I already had guys that were doing nine to five that hated their lives so like that was even more motivation to like the freedom side of me and I was like yeah well like who cares if I make two grand a month for the, like for two years if I get to do this and get a shot so like and I'll mm -hmm. live behind the couch as long as you guys will have me so right. like it just it just my logic was like basically like I can play avoid the real world make the dream happen like in that order so. hey we told you it was going to be a wild one we didn't lie to you that awesome awesome story of brian peters part two is going to make so much sense now that you understand brian's story we hope you enjoyed part one come back next week for part two it's going to be even better than part one see you guys soon